Good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming up here. All right, how do, how do our parents show us they love us? How do our parents show us they love us? What do they do, Julius? They give us stuff. Very true. Miss Simpleman? They try, they try to make us from getting hurt. They try to keep us from getting hurt. And keeping us healthy. Excellent, excellent. Other things parents do? What do they say to us? Julius? I love you. Yeah, they say they love us. And they do things for us, keep us healthy, keep us safe, maybe give us a hug, right? Does your dad give you a hug sometimes? No. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, he does. Um, so, how does Jesus tell us he loves us? How does Jesus tell us he loves us? What could you point to in church that would show us that Jesus loves us? Yeah, we got the big cross. We got the cross over here. Yeah, that's where we see Jesus loves us because he died on the cross for us and paid for our sins. Now, I like this cross because what do you see in this cross? What do you see in this cross? Lincoln, what do you see in there? Yeah, a heart. You see a heart. And you see that Jesus loves us because we see the cross. And he also tells us about he loves us in his, what is this book? What is this book? This simple one? The Bible. He tells us he loves us in the Bible. Also, what's this big thing over here? What's this big thing with the lamb on top of it? Baptismal font. So he gives us his love at the baptismal font, washes us clean of our sins. And on the tables here, you have bread and wine. But Jesus also says in the Lord's Supper, you get his body and blood for your forgiveness. So let's thank Jesus today and always for all the ways he tells us and shows us his love. Let's hold our hands. Dear Jesus, thank you for your great love for us, for dying on the cross to pay for our sins, for telling us you love us in the Bible, and for giving us that love not only there, but also the baptismal font and the Lord's Supper. And help us make use of these all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. It's no surprise, or it's no, yeah, no surprise that, or it's no secret that um, our nation, our culture is experiencing many identity crises. Everybody's having an identity crisis, it seems. Um, in many different things. The devil loves to sow disorder, confusion, uncertainty, and people are even doing that with gender, with sex, with all these different things. And without God and his word, without our Savior Jesus, all we would have is confusion. And you'd figure with all our conflict management skills passed down, you know, as we're building on them through generation to generation, and with the knowledge and wisdom of the world at the, the tips of our fingers on the internet, that we could do away with modern warfare. How's that working for us, though? Not so much. And without God, without Christ and his word, all we would have is trouble and hardship and war in our lives. But Jesus came to give you certainty amidst the confusion and peace amidst all the battles. Receive the Lord's Supper from Jesus. Gobble up this gracious gospel gift. Guard this powerful gift and go with the certainty and to the certainty of this gift. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Sometimes I tell my confirmation class students that I love them. Some of the times it's to tell them I love them and then impress upon them something I really want them to remember. Because I do love them and I want them to know this thing. Sometimes it's when I'm yelling at them for not paying attention or talking and having been warned for the fourth time and trying to get them back on task, but I don't want to be too brutal, so I, just, you know, I tell them I love them because I do and that's why I'm doing this. And I've told them I love them a lot this last semester. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I do love them. I do love them. Jesus gives these words at a very difficult time for his disciples and maybe when they were being a bit difficult, not quite understanding exactly all that he was doing. But he gives them this beautiful gift on the night he was betrayed. Not long after he gives this gift, the disciples run away from him, even though they said they would stand firm with him. One of them even denies knowing him. But yet he gives this wonderful gift, and what does he give to them? A gift we never could have imagined or thought up. But he takes the, the bread and wine, the unleavened bread from the Passover celebration they were having, and, and the wine, and he passes the bread around, and he says, this is my body, take it, eat it. This is my blood. Take it. Drink it. Drink from the cup. He's not just parceling out a portion of, of his you know, flesh to have them you know, chew on, but he's doing something even better. He's giving them his whole self. The body, the body that we know went to the cross, and Jesus stood in for us. He stood in front of us using his body to take out God's wrath and the punishment you and I deserve for our sins, for our transgressions, for the times we've hurt ourselves, hurt others, and offended God with our words and actions and even thoughts. Instead of having us have God's wrath, he took it all for us and he finished it on the cross. That body that went into the tomb, that body that came out of the grave, he gives us his whole self. The, the blood that was shed on that cross that we know, we sing about it, there's a fountain filled with blood. Um, and, and through that blood, our sins and the record of our sins is blotted out. And we are forgiven and freed in that blood. That blood he gives to you. Not to confuse you, but to give you certainty. We'll leave it up to him how exactly he does this. That he gives his whole self, his own body and blood, with the bread and the wine. We'll trust him on this because he's the son of God. We trust him on this because he's the, the only one I know that, that said he was going to rise from the grave and then raised himself from the grave and came out of that tomb with power and authority. But understand the gift he's given you. And why is he giving it to you? It's for the forgiveness of sins. What greater gift is there for your assurance and your peace? But isn't it all a little bit much? Isn't it maybe just a little bit extra or redundant? You know, when Pastor Ailhoffen, you know, you confessed your sins, you know, in repentance, you said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And Pastor Ailhoffen said, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And your sins were forgiven. He was giving you God's forgiveness because that's what Jesus said. John chapter 20, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And we know that we're forgiven in, in baptism. You know, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins as promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And we know that our sins are washed away in our baptism. We are clothed with Christ, as the Apostle Paul says. So what about this then? What about the Lord's Supper? Is this something that, that is it just too redundant? Well, is, is it redundant when a parent tells their child they love them? 
Do they only just have to tell them once? No, they need to hear it quite a bit, don't they? Um, because there are the good days where, you know, mom, dad, kid are all doing well and everybody's listening and behaving, and then there are days where great disappointment. But for that child to hear, I still love you and I forgive you. That's powerful. Um, and they mean it. And also, when you in your life, you're feeling like everything's going great, you're fulfilling God's law, you're following him, and, and everything in your life is going great, you know, and you still come up to the Lord's Supper and you receive God's forgiveness, you receive this strengthening, but, but especially on the days where you've made a complete mess of your life, you've offended God, and you deserve his wrath and punishment, and then yet he invites you up to say, I still love you, I forgive you, and you have me, all of me. There's no more comforting words, are there? Yes, we have forgiveness spoken and delivered to us through the word. We have forgiveness at our baptism. We're clothed in Christ's righteousness. To be here, but to hear it so regularly and often with all the battles and the uncertainties of our lives. What a wonderful comfort. And so we have and we gobble up this gracious gospel gift. And we also, we also um, guard this powerful gift. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. For everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. How many of you think you know how to drive or think you can maybe drive? You've got to raise your hand. There's two of you. No, here. How many of you think like if you had to, you could drive, you know? Some kids are raising their hands. Okay, how many of you have a driver's license? It's a different number of hands. Is there a difference in the question? A little bit, right? If you were going to jump in a vehicle with someone to go across country, would you want the person who, you know, I played some video games, you know, how to drive? Um, you know, I drove a go-kart once, and I've seen people drive, and I've watched movies about it, so I think I'd go. Or do you want the person who is, has a license and is legally authorized to operate a motor vehicle? Obviously, you want to go in with the person who has a license because that vehicle is a very powerful gift. It could get you where you need to go. Um, it could do a lot of great things, um, but it all, also could be very dangerous put in the hands of someone who doesn't know what it is or doesn't know its power or doesn't know what it's doing. And so God wants us to guard this gift, and he says so through the Apostle Paul in his word. And so what do we do? We, we want to make sure we discern that Christ's body and blood are truly present with the bread and the wine, um, but we, we ask ourselves, you know, we examine ourselves, Paul says. Um, in confirmation class, you may be learned it, or catechism, um, otherwise you, you hear it, you sing about it in our communion hymns, um, but questions we normally would ask ourselves before we come to the Lord's Supper, am I sorry for my sins? Do I trust in Jesus as my only Savior from sin? Do I recognize that Christ's body and blood are truly present with the bread and the wine and the sacrament? And then four, do I intend to live a more God-pleasing life? These are good questions to ask, and the Christian would have a resounding yes, but you know why we ask them. Am I sorry for my sin? What if I'm not sorry for my sin? What have I given myself into? What have I gotten myself into that's leading me away from Christ and slowly away from his word, and, and I'm justifying what I want to do that's wrong and sinful, and we're holding on to that rather than holding on to Christ and being led into unbelief and, and towards damnation. Um, what about... Um, no, I, want, I am sorry for my sins. I want God's forgiveness. What if I, you know, is Jesus my, do I trust in Jesus as my only Savior from sin? You ask, often you ask somebody, um, and, and you say, like, are you going to heaven? And they'd say, well, I think so. And that's an awful answer, 
right? I think so. But you hear the uncertainty. So you follow it up, and you say, you know, well, why do you think you're going to heaven? Well, what are they? oftentimes, because I've been a pretty good person, you know, because I, I've tried to do more good, or God knows I'm trying really hard. Well, who's the Savior then? And it's you. And there's no certainty there. In fact, that's a recipe to be led further and further away from God and Christ because Christ is here because he is our only Savior. He's our only escape route. And he has certainty that we can be certain we're going to heaven because we have his forgiveness and love. He is our only Savior. And we want to confess that. Uh, we want to recognize Christ's body and blood are there because Jesus said it. This is my body. This is my blood. And what a comfort it's meant. But if we would deny that and say, well, I don't see how it can happen. You know, I don't know how you can fully explain that or exactly how that works. What other things are we going to discredit Jesus or not listen to his promises on? Did he really physically rise from the grave? How does that happen? I've not, you know, I see a lot of people go into the graves, but I don't see a lot of people come out of the graves. You know, like Thomas. And Thomas got to see him and, and put his fingers in the nail marks in his hands and in his side, and, and Jesus said, stop doubting and believe. You know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so we take God at his word. We trust his promises. This is the one who rose from the grave. This, we can trust him when he says, this is for you, my body and blood, for your forgiveness. And I want you to have the comfort, and I don't want you to doubt it. Because I've won it for you, and I'm giving it to you in a sacrament. And then finally, um, do I want to live more God-pleasing life? Of course I do. That's what, how can we not? If someone saves your life, rescues you from certain peril, what do you owe them? Your life right? He's saved us from eternal damnation and given us eternal glory in heaven. And so each day, we want to live for him and glorify him with our thoughts, our words, and our deeds and be good witnesses. And that's why we want to confess truth about him. And that brings us to what Paul says, you know, anybody who eats and drinks without discerning the body and blood of the Lord, you know, especially in focus there, but also he says, you know, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we guard this great and powerful gift. We don't want people to take it to their harm. We practice close communion. We practice member communion, if you will. That we, we admit up to the Lord's Supper with us those who, those who have been instructed, those who understand, those who have made that confession that they know what this is and that they're making that clear confession of the faith so that more and more people have this certainty. We don't want to muddy the waters. So before a person would come up to the Lord's Supper here, we'd say we'd like you to be a member of one of our congregations in our fellowship that you share this clear confession of God's word his will, his love for us, and that what you're receiving here. And so we practice close communion um, out of love. We guard the good gift God has given to us because he wants you to have it and he wants it for your blessing. And we go to this great gift for certainty and we go with certainty. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. Sounds pretty rough, what was going on in Corinth. They were having a lot of issues, weren't they? And a lot of people were suffering. They were misusing the Lord's Supper. They were not recognizing its power or what it was. They were not guarding the gift. And they were mistreating one another. It'd be nice to say that the confusion is all out there in the world and not here and not here. But we know better, don't we? 
Constantly the devil's working on us to try and call what, what God has said is good and we should do and say, no, we don't want to do that, to convince us we'd rather sin or, or adopt some other value and get us to listen more to the preaching of the world that it's constantly trying to pour into us instead of the preaching from the word and holding on to Christ, holding on to God and his word and his love for us. So we have to say, no, we have a lot of confusion. Sometimes, sometimes we suffer for it. Sometimes we suffer just because we live in a sinful world, but sometimes we create our own messes. And sometimes God prevents us from the, the, the depths of what we could suffer for it. But sometimes he allows us to hurt a little bit. Sometimes he allows us to feel the pain of it a little bit because as a good parent does, he disciplines us. Because he doesn't want us to keep going down that path. It'd be nice to say war is out there, but not in here. But we know better, don't we? We each struggle with a sinful nature and that new person in us that holds on to God's will and his love and his forgiveness, but there's the constant battle in our own hearts. And also it spills over into our families, our relationships, and often because of maybe harsh words we said, impatience that we had with someone, things we did against them, even to the people we love the most. And we cause difficulties, we cause hurt, we even burn bridges and we like to say that nothing happened, but everything did. And we made a big mess. And sometimes God allows us to feel the hurt of that. Because he wants us to realize we can't fix it. We can't fix us. But he can. And he does. And he really does it by simply forgiving us. For our sinfulness. For our faults. For the confusion we shouldn't have, but we do. And for the wars that sometimes we even start. So we go to the sacrament to hear Jesus say, when we've made a total mess of ourselves, I love you. I forgive you. You have all of me. And we go. And we go and we live for him. We forgive. We make peace. We love. We're patient. We do all these things because of him who is patient with us for him who has loved us even when we are at our worst and who's forgiven us all our sins. Receive the Lord's Supper from Jesus. Gobble up the gracious gospel gift. Guard the powerful gift it is. And go to it for certainty and go with it being certain of his love and forgiveness. And as we seek to be good stewards or managers of everything that God has given to us, we do it in every area of our life um, with our time that God has given us. And you're using your time this morning to be in God's house, hearing his word in person or online. Um, we use our talents that God has given us to serve him. We use the treasures God has given to us, and we, we give some of those back to him in thankfulness. And many of you have brought an offering, which you can place in the baskets, or many of you give online. And we're thankful for all the gifts that God's people give. Today we're going to look at the, the next two things, maybe temple, how we use our, our bodies, feed our bodies and our souls, and also truth, how we use God's truth. So let's take our hymnals out, new hymnals. We're getting to know these things. Page 286, I think. 286. You can go to page 286. One of the neat things about our new hymnal is they included this. They included just the basics of God's word summarized in the small catechism. Uh, Martin Luther, who wrote the catechism, said, you know, even he, a doctor of theology, a preacher, a prolific, you know, big writer, he said, every day I need to go through the catechism. Just why, it'd be really good to go through a page of the catechism and meditate on God's word. So here you have the Ten Commandments with explanations, 
What does God mean by that? Page 288, you've got the creed. What are we confessing when we confess the creed? Beautiful little explanations from God's word that strengthen your faith. The Lord's Prayer, page 289, you know, what do, what do we say in our address, you know, our Father in heaven? What are we saying by these petitions that we have? You go to page 291, a good reminder of what your baptism is. Page 292, what it means that God forgives your sins. Page 293, the blessings you receive in Holy Communion and why we could trust these blessings. And then 294, a prayer you can pray at the beginning of the day, a prayer you can pray which echoes Jesus' prayer from the cross as he gave his spirit to his Father in heaven. We could pray that as we lay our heads down on our pillows at night. A blessing before a meal. And also, as we look at our different callings that God has given to us, passages that speak to that. So a wonderful, useful resource as we focus on using and being good stewards of our temples, you know, our spiritual souls that we save it, and also God's truth.